to English Talk, the podcast for people who feel insecure speaking English as a non-native at work. Join me and my guests as we chat about the challenges of speaking up in English when you're not only a non-native speaker, but also a bit of an introvert, and hopefully pick up some useful tips on how to manage and overcome the insecurities and challenges that come from being more visible in the global workplace. Today I'm joined by Linda Terry. Linda has a PhD in immunology and four decades of experience in pharma, government science and academia. Her passion is now helping others to become brilliant leaders while staying grounded in the work that they are trained to do, the science. So Linda, thank you so much for joining us today. It's wonderful to have you with us um, from Zurich at the moment. I am sitting in Zurich. It's a little bit foggy around um, here and um, just slightly less than zero degrees. <laughs> Sounds good. So Linda, if I get this correct, you are a PhD scientist and you've been working for the last four decades in the pharmaceutical industry, clinical drug development. Um, so your native English, you're living in Zurich, and I think you actually admitted to being a little bit of an introvert. <laughs> so yes, tell all me about that. <laughs> all of those things are true. Yeah, I have moved around the world a bit because that's the that's one of the advantages of being a scientist is that pretty much you can work anywhere in the world. Um, the the main language of science is English, as you probably well know being associated with pharmaceutical scientists yourself. So that makes it a little bit easier for people to move around the world. I have, I am, um, I am English, you are correct. I have worked in the US, I have worked in France, and um, now I am living in Switzerland. I have also worked in Switzerland. Some of that has been academia, some of that has been in the pharmaceutical scientists. And yes, I am very much on the introvert, not even a sort of in the middle. I'm somewhere in the middle between middle and very severely introverted. So how does that affect you? What would you say the biggest obstacles? Because I think any obstacle that introverts face, it's gonna be even more so if you're a non-native English speaker and you have to do everything in English. So let's look at the introvert side first, knowing that it's gonna be even more for the non-natives listening to this. Mm, What's yeah. the biggest hurdle? Um, we don't like talking in big groups. That's the first thing, which it is a problem if you are in, particularly in the pharmaceutical industry where meetings will clearly be more, usually more than three people. Mm -hmm. um, we prefer to speak one-on-one -on -one or mostly one in three, most, most one in three. Uh, so once you get into a big group, it starts to feel overwhelming, like just putting your head above the parapet as an introvert, because, you know, it, it's for as an introvert, it's about having a, a deep conversation with one or two other people. 
Um, so it feels uncomfortable. Yeah, that's the biggest one. Um, and this, sorry, this point about why, why is that relevant? So what is it about the fact that being introvert and not feeling comfortable in large groups, what are the consequences of that professionally? Because I think this is a topic. Yeah, I think you don't get heard. Your opinion doesn't get heard. And I know that there has been a, a push, you know, since um, Susan Cain wrote her book, which has been become very popular, is that the that the 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 people with the loudest voices, the extroverts, tend to get heard more. They tend to talk more at meetings, and so the expertise and the knowledge of the introverts who are sitting at the table doesn't get heard. What I've noticed now is that the best leaders will always ask. They'll ask directly those introverts at the meetings, like, "What opinion do you have, Linda?" Or, and this is something that um, I've learned to do, is to send an email or have a discussion after the meeting to say, you know, I had this thought, I needed to think about it. Because that's the other thing. Mm -hmm. Introverts like to think about a problem. They like to have time to think about that problem. So they met minds may be whirring during the meeting about mm -hmm. how to approach that problem. And it may not be until 24 hours where they come up with a solution that is relevant. Mm. I think you've hit the nail on the head, obviously, but it's the expertise and it's not this loss. And I think personally, within pharmaceutical industry and biotech, this is a huge, the consequences are just vast within this industry because this is this is technology this is science this is health for many generations to come mm -hmm. and if people are not able to express themselves it's not just like being in a meeting for some other topic some other industry we're not talking about um food hygiene or i don't know but this is medical research this is our future so when these people are insecure about speaking up, the consequences are, are just huge. So I love your idea because I was going to ask you, how do you get over this? But your your solution of sending an email after the meeting is is a is that's basically how one way that you manage. Yeah. Yes. It is either send the email or speak to the chair of the meeting directly. Or if you have a Teams chat, you can put it on the Teams chat as well. Yeah, because this is important. And I think even connecting back to the non-native scientists, it's even more intimidating. Breaking into a conversation, speaking up, particularly when, as you say, as introverts, we need more time to reflect and to find a solution. We can create brilliant solutions, but it might be 24 hours later than everybody else's. And yeah. that recognition that, that that is not too late. And then you can have the time to reflect, find the solution and translate it into English. It yeah. gives you the option of thinking in your own language. Absolutely. So... 
so that's sort of after the meeting what about how do you help yourself either before or during meetings mm, good question so um I noticed, so let, let me just a little, a little bit describe it. Even now, you know, and I'm relatively senior, et cetera, et cetera. Even now, when I feel I have got something relevant to say in a meeting, I can feel that those unpleasant, that discomfort come up before I've even formed what I'm going to say, right? Yeah. And And the discomfort will be different for everybody, but I can recognize it in myself. The first thing I do to calm my nervous system down is to do belly breathing. Mm -hmm. So that deep, deep, breathe deeply into your belly and take three or four deep breaths into your belly, which helps, helps calm the, the, the nervous system. Mm -hmm. And then once, once I've done that, it's like then finding that part of yourself that, that is, you know, got something to say and find and and form the words in your head. Um, unfortunately, sometimes the moment is past, mm -hmm. but and I've got a, a tip for that as well. And then managing that other part that's very nervous at, at that same time. It's like it's okay. We've done this before. Mm -hmm. You know, we can we can do this. And you know, what are we afraid of? Just having that little bit of a conversation with yourself about. What, what exactly are you afraid of? And then weighing up the options. You can wait until later if you want to. And then all of this internal stuff going on actually helps yeah. to just get the perspective that you need. And then, yes, the, the, it may, the moment may have passed because you've had to go through all of this. But what you can say was, I, I, it, you may then be able to speak up and say, would it be okay if we just go back to that point that we were yeah. talking about? Or because I've got something to say that might be relevant right now and may inform on the conversation as we move forward. And if you have a sentence that you can say, that you know that you can say, that you can practice, then you, then you can say again. It will calm that little monkey that you have that's telling you to keep your head down, calm the monkey and just be able to speak up. Yeah. And the more you practice, the better it gets. Yeah. And that is applicable to everyone. I mean, and I think, again, particularly for the non-natives who struggle terribly with this, getting into a conversation, breaking through, you're already processing and introverts tend to process in a different way. It takes longer. Um, but processing the language and then processing how to break in, I think people overcomplicate how to break into a conversation. So as you said, having a phrase, memorize, if you're going to memorize notes for a meeting, this has got to be one of your phrases you memorize. So that if you, when you go into panic, you've got, as you said, you're belly breathing and you've got your phrase. I like to try and make it even simpler and just think, don't overcomplicate it. And what mm. I tell some of my clients is, all it takes is er or um, Mm -hmm. seriously you don't have to have a complicated sentence and if you lose your sentence if you say uh people know that you've got something to say and it gives you those two or three seconds to process it doesn't have to be a fancy english yeah that is true for a non-native speaker i mean i'm a native speaker so obviously exactly. that's going to be easier for me yeah 
even uh i'm sorry or uh excuse me rather than i'm sorry because you know we shouldn't really be apologizing yeah. for ourselves yeah. But, yeah uh what do you mean uh can i just ask any of these it doesn't have to be complex and i also like the fact that you, what you're saying again is it's not too late just like your email in the meeting you're saying could we just go back to that point it's never too late and i think this is what people miss they think well i missed the opportunity the conversation went on i didn't say anything so i love this sort of not too late to go back mm. yeah and one other thing that i would say is that even if you're still formulating the solution or um, trying to understand the problem and maybe you know in your heart of hearts that it's going to take you a good night's sleep to really really be able to articulate what you want to say there's no shame in saying I haven't fully thought this through mm -hmm. but I just have something that I want to say or a question that I want to ask etc etc yeah and I think that's important this admission that we're not all brilliant all of the time and sometimes brilliance takes time to develop mm. it's so powerful I remember speaking to someone else about this this idea that we tend to be intimidated and more introvert less likely to speak in front of certain people people we respect, we admire, people in senior positions. And as you said, when you have a good leader of a meeting, a good chair, then they will call on you and they will make sure, they will see, they will be watching the faces of the people on the Zoom call or Teams meeting, whatever, and see when somebody, you can normally tell when somebody has something to say. Um, so... This is important. And knowing that the solution might take longer um, is really is really powerful because if what we're saying is, I don't know. Mm. And as soon as we say, uh, I'm sorry, I don't know, or I haven't worked that out yet. I'm not sure where it's going to fit in. It sort of takes the pressure off everyone else, like, oh, phew because I feel I have to have a solution here. And the fact is I don't. Mm. And when the leader or the senior person says they don't know something, even when it's basic, it's not just you you're helping, it's your whole team feels mm. relief and like, oh, thank goodness. I'm not the only one who doesn't know. Yeah. I think every team can learn that lesson. Yeah. So the dynamics in a meeting are a huge to how you can it's not always on you yeah it's crucial so do you feel would you say that the introverts and maybe the non-natives take more responsibility on themselves or more guilt for a meeting that doesn't run smoothly or doesn't if they're not able to speak up do you think the introverts feel the guilt themselves rather than saying well you know they didn't give me the opportunity mm. that's an interesting question Louisa it's not something that that I have noticed in myself and and I've not thought about that for other introverts 
in the room. But I can imagine, and now I'm speaking out of just sort of, you know, that that possibility of imagination of introverts I know, for example, in my team, is that they may feel bad about themselves when they haven't spoken up in a meeting and that they feel that the moment has passed. Yeah. yeah. I certainly feel it in the, the non-natives I work with. I think there is this feeling of, even subconsciously, that it's my fault, it's my responsibility. Hmm. And in any meeting, it's if it's a conversation, it's not one person's responsibility. And it seems to me the person who takes responsibility, not his given, but the person who has assumes and takes on that responsibility is generally the weaker person in the group. Weaker, I mean, by has less power, less strength, less natural ability. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah, yeah it's an interesting perspective. Again, not the one that I've fully thought through. No, <laughs> meaning it only just came to me then, but I, I just think there's this, I feel there's this, sense of guilt and shame that oh I should be better I should do better look at the extrovert they're able to do this why can't I mm. there shouldn't be this this is the way to be this is how I am and therefore I'm less I I would take yeah I would take that as um and emphasize that an introvert who is sitting at the table comparing themselves to the extroverts and finding themselves wanting um that that is that is a lesson in being able to accept yourself mm -hmm. for who you are and what strengths being an introvert brings you again i'll mention susan kane's book is that there are strengths to both being an extrovert and an introvert and accepting that you have the strengths that you have being yeah. that introvert is really really important there's yeah. no point in thinking that you should be somebody else very true so we're still diving there's so many things I want to ask you and I knew this conversation was going to take us all over the place so tell me about some of these um these talents that introverts have what would you say the the pharmaceutical industry in particular what do they benefit from having introverts on their team oh wow okay um again I can only speak for myself and the and some introverts that I know, but tend to be deeper thinkers. Mm -hmm. They will think of, you know, not only the root causes of the problem at hand, um, but also how any solution that's applied is going to affect people outside of the immediate of the immediate vicinity. So they're they're very good at thinking deeply and the consequences of any solutions that are applied right so that that's I think is very definitely um you know a, a strength for anybody in science mm -hmm. yeah um another one is that they are ex they reflect a lot so they spend a lot of time reflecting on um on the issue and on the question at hand again very useful for mm -hmm. 
for a scientist, whether you're in the pharmaceutical industry or in academia. Mm -hmm. Enormous number of, of, of scientists are, are um, very reflective. Now, I don't know if this is, a, I don't think this is necessarily a, a, a strength of introverts themselves, but because of that, they tend to be very curious and very deeply curious. Mm -hmm. Again, extremely useful for being yeah. a research, in research as a scientist. Yeah. Exactly. And these three, even already, these, the deep thinking, the, the seeing the consequences of reflection, this is absolutely essential in science, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, we don't get anywhere otherwise. No. And it makes complete sense that these people who whose minds are operating at this pace can't respond quickly in a situation in a meeting always, can't always. I think if you're responding quickly, it's probably something that's already been established. And I think this should be really respected and people who do have difficult or take longer to process the information shouldn't beat themselves up about it but should think this is a gift this information isn't going to come in a flash occasionally we'll have flashes of inspiration but it's the way that I work this is my power and then it sort of justifies that it is okay to send that email later to set to go back to a point yeah and it will help you to build rapport with, with the leader or the team. If you have, if when you make suggestions or develop solutions or ask, ask probing questions, then it helps to build rapport that people will come to you mm -hmm. when, when they are trying to think through a problem themselves. Yeah you'll get known for that. But it's not gonna happen unless you send the emails or unless you you connect with one person on, on the team at a later time, or you put that information into the team chat. Mm -hmm. So yeah. if you're not a, a saying that introverts are not group people, large group people, it's very quickly overwhelming, very much more challenging to find your voice if you can't find your voice, you're not seen, you don't have rapport, they're not going to come to you. If you build, you need to build rapport on your terms. Yeah. You need to find the way that you're comfortable to speak to these people that isn't in a group setting. And then they will learn that that's how to approach you. Is that right? Gradually, they will learn if they're sensitive or you directly tell them if you want, you know, don't ask me in the middle of a meeting. Come to me afterwards. Is that? Yeah, absolutely. But eventually that that you will build enough of a relationship with those people on the team that it will become a norm yeah. for them to ask for your opinion either after or or even before a meeting if they've got a solution that they they want to want to discuss at the meeting them as well. Yeah. So if this hasn't, if this way of being, if this sort of acceptance of this is how I am, 
and this is how I need to manage myself because what we're talking about here from what I can see is accepting myself I'm not an extrovert this is who I am this is how I feel in these situations I need to know myself know how to calm myself down know how to manage myself mm -hmm. and then know how to educate other people about how they can get the best out of me yeah spot on and the consequences are unless we spend that time knowing ourselves finding out what we do what we don't do and educating others these others aren't going to see us and we're not going to get the recognition that we want absolutely and 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 the team will not benefit yeah. from your deep reflective curious mind and the opinions and solutions that you have yeah everyone loses exactly so i think and we had a, a short chat uh, actually it was quite a long chat before we start and hit the record button <laughs> um about coaching and about actually how scary that can be how intimidating it can be to get help so this knowing ourselves having a plan and then educating others you can't do that until you know yourself and to know yourself you've got to ask some pretty scary questions of yourself and that's where the coaching comes in isn't it someone to help see yeah someone you feel safe with that is not going to judge you who will help you overcome all of that sort of subconscious panic and the gremlins, et cetera, that you have about speaking speaking up in large groups, uh, it it's it it is it it helps you get over that hump, basically, mm -hmm. getting to know all of that about yourself. Yeah, and I think um, obviously I'm biased being a coach, but I've had a lot of coaching myself. You can't. I don't see how anyone can live for decades without needing coaching, without having stuff. I mean, life happens. Um, but having been brave enough to look at it, that, that takes courage. And often we can't look at it, all our stuff ourselves, because our brains are very, very clever. And our subconscious is a master at hiding the obvious from us. And this is why I think, well, I've benefited the most from being coached myself, is when someone turns to you and says, really? Do you just hear what you said? Do you actually believe what you've just said? And that's when things start to get interesting. Not always easy, it can be scary stuff. But as you say, with someone you trust, the benefits are immense. I couldn't agree more, Louise. Yeah, having a coach myself, um, has really helped me dig into my blind spots, what I don't see, how other people see me and how I see myself doesn't necessarily coincide. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say as scary as it is, it's worth it, isn't it? I would, I can't remember who, who, um, who said this, somebody early 19th century I think an unexamined life is a is not a 
of worth life worth living and that's kind of my motto in that like I dissect everything but that again part of my introverted personality <laughs> of curiosity and reflection yeah exactly yeah I mean you can't really I mean people listening to this are probably judging okay Louise is marketing herself here but it's for the honest truth that we have so much stuff and to, to live a better life, to live our best life with what we've got requires observation, honesty and work because it's very easy to get into the poor me complaining. This is just the way I am. So many times I hear it's just the way I am. Can't do anything about it. And that is the part of us which is scared of change. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't mean we have to be someone else. People say, I, I can't do that because I'm an introvert, because I'm an I'm not an extrovert. I just can't do. And I think these thoughts, they come like a flash and they block. Before we've even had the opportunity to say, maybe we've said no. We've we've cut out opportunities. And just making that little step inwards within our subconscious to actually put a either nothing saying nothing or maybe before the no opens doors mm. yeah it's that space isn't it where the freedom and choice yeah. lies yeah so I guess I'm saying as scary as it is it doesn't all have to happen at once and as you quite rightly said it's it's you've got to have trust in someone to to go through this process but you also can go at your own pace and I think even the first um, sessions with somebody blows your mind some days mm -hmm. when you suddenly start seeing, wow, I actually thought that. What, what does that mean about me? And then you take it at your own pace. You're not going to be prodded. And um, I think coaches are pretty sympathetic, empathetic people. But um, it can get pretty raw, but it's, it's, it's worth every minute. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I do hear of of coaches that are very transactional. I don't think that either of us, Louise, are, are those kind of transactional coaches. Well, it's expected to bring your emotions to these to these coaching sessions. And that's what the scary part is. Right. Yes. And I think the the scary part is not necessarily expressing those emotions to someone else it's admitting them to yourself mm, exactly that's that's a bit you have to deal with and I think that's a bit where you have the, the control to decide how how you want to develop you you sort of get insights at where you're going and I've had people who have felt like this is rocking their core and they're not ready and they've stopped I remember a client years ago when I challenged or asked a simple question, what would she be like without a certain fear? And you could see she had that moment of, if I didn't have it, I wouldn't be me. And that identity crisis, she didn't, she had a very long break years before she was ready to come back and say, okay, um, I'm ready to see who I am without this. 
But at that time, that wasn't, that was who she was. She identified with it so much that she couldn't let go. She couldn't change that fear because she didn't know if there was nothing else. She was that fear. Mm. It takes time. It does. Yeah. So what we started right, if I go back back to the beginning about challenges that introverts had, and we started off with um, being overwhelmed in meetings and large groups and how to, to deal with that. Is there anything else that really is a, a challenge as an introvert within pharma that people need help with or need aware, feel made aware of? I think, so one of the challenges that I, I have found being an introvert and also being the kind of person that I am is that as a leader, you'll be told that you need to be, you need, you, apart from being an expert in your area, you're told to be more assertive and often that means aggressive right mm -hmm. uh, and so you get all of these mixed messages about the kind of person that you're supposed to be as a leader mm -hmm. i i don't think in my personal opinion i don't think you have to change your personality to be a leader I know plenty of good introverted leaders who, you know, they've obviously had some coaching to get over their issues of, you know, speaking in public, communication, um, but they they are often the best leaders. One of the things that a lot of leaders in the pharmaceutical industry is the ability to think on their feet. Us as introverts, uh, we've discussed this earlier in the podcast. We we don't have that that ability is not is not second nature for us. Yeah. Again, I, I don't I don't see it as a. If you present all of these things to somebody who's an introvert as a scientist, they'll just think I can't be a leader. Mm -hmm. I can't be that person. I'm never going to be this person. Don't let any of this get in, in, in your way. You absolutely can be a good leader and still be an introvert and still be able to um, command respect and, and command a room without a doubt. So in that case, uh, what, uh, is what you're saying that maybe our um, our image, our standard default of what a good leader is naturally goes to extroverted personalities. Do we, do we think of, do we have this image of a great leader is this person? We have this image of an extrovert who thinks on their feet, who's um, very social, is good in groups. And this is what we think. And that doesn't have to be. But a great leader yeah. can also be somebody who's reflective, who takes time, who doesn't make sudden decisions, thinking on our feet, but actually says, do you know what, Will, let me come back to you about that. And that's also okay. 
absolutely. There's a humility as well, and not necessarily. I, I think that they're also extroverted leaders who also have humility. I, I think it, it, it goes across. Um, but there is a sort of an innate humility in introverted people as well. Is this not, you know, I don't know whether I'm right, kind of, whereas, you know, a lot of leaders will present themselves as I am right. Yeah. From, from the, from, from the get go. And introverted people, as you say, will tend to say, actually, I don't fully know the answer to that question. Let me get back to you. And I think there's a trust there. Yeah. Right. You develop a trust and a rapport. So what I'm saying is don't don't think yeah, that just because you've set up this ideal of a leader as being ex extroverted, thinking on their feet, being very confident, charismatic, yeah. and you don't think you're that person. It, it Yeah, it isn't. Yeah. Detrimental. It isn't. You should just go for it. Just yeah. go for it. Mm. So different types of leaders. It's not good or bad. Well, there are good and bad leaders, but the introvert, extrovert isn't the deciding factor on good or bad. There's just different types and different types. A leader will draw different qualities out of their team or draw the qualities out in different ways. Exactly. Yeah. And particularly if you are an introvert, I imagine that having a slightly introverted leader will probably support you because you're not going to be challenged quite as much as an extrovert leader. So maybe in pharma, um, that's a good thing to be, to be an introvert. Maybe you need more of the introverts to take on these leadership roles to draw out this expertise from their team. Mm, yeah. I would have to say that because scientists tend to be introverted, that there are plenty of examples of introverted leaders, good introverted leaders in the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah. That's really good to know. So before we wind up, Linda, what would you, any advice or what would be your, uh, the takeaway from our conversation here as an expert in the field? As an introvert in the pharmaceutical scientists, I would I would say get to know yourself and what you feel comfortable doing. Also, push yourself a little bit to move out of the, your comfort zone every now and again. You don't have to jump into the deep end. It is a process and you get more comfortable as you practice. That would be what I say, like in group meetings, et cetera, et cetera, to put um, to interrupt, to say you don't know or whatever. Um, so that that is a big one with the additional part of you can always connect with somebody one-on-one -on -one after a meeting or you can connect with them by email or on the team chat. Um, don't let the predominance of extroverts at the top put you off mm -hmm. in mo moving moving to more leadership positions. There are plenty of examples of really good leadership who are introverts. Get yourself a coach to help you manage your mind monkeys that stop you from being the person that you want to be. Yeah. Brilliant. So all sounds very positive with a little support. Absolutely. It's been wonderful to speak to you today, Thank Louise. Thank you, Linda. It's been my pleasure. And yeah, 
Well, look forward to talking again. Absolutely. Speak to you soon. Take care. And that's all from English Talk for this episode. Thank you very much for listening in today. Please come and join me again on another episode. And if you have any comments, any thoughts, then don't hesitate to get in contact. See you again another week. Bye-bye. Thank you.